Uh, so yeah, so my girlfriend and I, we were in Austin, Texas a few years ago, and all of our mutual friends were gone. They were back in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where you are currently living, and uh, yeah, they were all at your wedding, and I was in Austin, Texas. It's kind of funny. I mean, I, I'm kind of, you know, going to assume that, you know, the invitation was like, you know, lost in the mail. I'm sure that's, that's the reason, right? Who the fuck would want you at their wedding? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the You Show Show. It has been uh, a hot minute since I've had the ability to sit down and record, so I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, thank you for joining in, but uh, this is the You Show Show. It is the show where you show things. Today I am joined by my good friend, the ever so neato, the one, the only, the Mark Sonito. Mark, hello and welcome. How are you now? I'm good, man. How you doing? Not so bad. Thanks. Welcome to the studio. It, um, it's really posh, as you can tell. It's really nice. It's really fancy. And it no way, shape, or form looks like any of your rooms inside of your house. Not at all. Zero percent. <laughs> you are one of my Madison, Wisconsin friends. Um, you're still in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I am not. And uh, But it was a good time when I was there. And you are... One of my, how do we even phrase it? Like party friends? One of my bar scene party friends, right? Is that's a good way to phrase it? Yeah, basically, I guess. And I would, I, I mean, I would say we're more than that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've we've grown to be quite good friends because I've known you for like we were just talking about this like it's like a second ago. It's been like ten years now at this point, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, time flies, man. Um, but yeah, we met, we met in Madison, Wisconsin, and I think we were just talking about how our friendship started, uh, over Topper's Pizza, which I don't know, is Topper's nationwide or is it only like Midwest? I have no idea. I think it's mainly Midwest. I know it's like really popular in Madison and they have a couple of other locations around it, but I don't know if it's only Wisconsin. I have no idea actually, now that I think about it. We were, we were at your house. Uh, which was ever so lovely named the fam house. Um, was it just like fam for family? I guess nothing I think about it. I never thought about it. Yeah. We, we all just kind of came from like, uh, dysfunctional family life. <laughs> we our own family of friends. And so we called ourselves the fam. It was the fam and it was the fam house. So creative. Yeah. Uh, and that was a very heavy party house. We had, uh, many adventures in that house. My favorite thing about the fam house was, well, okay, so there was the fam house, and then across the street was, like, Ben Laser and Kenton, and then down the street was Cheese and Rashad. So between the three houses, you could go to any one of those three houses at any day, at any time, and somebody be, be, would be awake and drinking, and you could join them. Uh, it didn't matter the time of day. Like, you could go, like, it could be, like, noon on a Tuesday, and you, between those three houses, somebody was having a beer, and you could have a beer with them. 100% accurate. And, um... A lot of shenanigans uh, between all three of those houses. and uh, But we met, uh, or at least I guess then noticed each other uh, one night when you were talking about how you'd ordered some topper sticks, which are like cheesy bread sticks with like dipping sauces. And I think, and we were talking about it. Yeah, and I remember, I think I asked you if I could have one and I think you said no. And then me being the little shit that I am kind of just took one anyway. And I know I took a bite out of it and you were saying that like, 
you slapped it out of my hand because I was like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? I'm already eating it. And you slapped it on the ground. And I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and I, we got in kind of like a wrestling match. Uh, and I think that is how we probably became friends. I, I, I remember meeting you before that, but I, it was always just kind of like a, hey, Mark, how you doing kind of thing. But I think that was the night where we both kind of were like, yeah, all right. Like, this dude's all right. Yeah, it was one of those moments where you just kind of like size each other up and you had yeah, it was a split second because I was a wrestler in high school. I was like, okay, I'm going to take this guy down real quick. And this wrestler move took you down. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. And and you were like, what the hell just happened? I remember too. I remember talking to Isabel about it. Ben Laser's now wife. And um, yeah, and I remember talking, talking to her about it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I remember just standing there eating the topper stick. And then I remember just being like, like one second later on the ground with like my face in the grass. And the topper stick was ruined. And I remember even saying that to you. Like, dude, like now the topper stick is ruined. You're like, well, it doesn't matter because you're not eating it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't help that, like, like I mean, I'm 6'2", and I know for a million percent fact that you're taller than me. So, like, you are definitely a tank of a human being. Uh, and I have never taken one second of wrestling training, so... Yeah, I was down pretty quick to say the least, and pretty fast. So, <laughs> but uh, but the rest is history, as they say. So you're you're still in Madison. You're still chilling. I am. Yep, we're uh, we're over on the, the east side now. Bought our house this last year, and yep, still still living the the good Madison life. That's awesome, man. Well, um, well, today uh, for the uh, as I like to call it the the grand old experiment. One of my favorite things is a quick little bunny trail about always picking. Like two things, like you know, two movies or two albums, is finding the similarities of otherwise things that I would never really notice. Um, and I feel like the two movies that we both picked uh, for each other actually have a lot of similarities, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, um, the movies that you shared with me to watch was a film called The War. Came out in 1994, directed by John Avnet. Avnet, I don't know how you pronounce it. John Avnet. Um, I'm not super privy on his work. I actually had to look him up. Um, and he does a lot more work as a producer, I think, than he does as a director. But um, anyway, The War, 1994, uh, it has uh, Kevin Costner and a very, very super young, super adorable, super uh, admirable uh, young Elijah Wood, uh, which was awesome to see him in a role that is the farthest thing from Lord of the Rings on the face of this planet. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then the film that I shared with you is What's Eating Gilbert Grape, but uh, we'll get into that next episode. Uh, so I guess let's start with, uh, as I always like to ask of all the films in the world to pick, um, why did you pick this film? I guess what does it kind of mean to you and why did you want to share this one? Yeah, um, well, I, you know, I, I chose it because it's a, very like little known film i feel like not a whole lot of people have seen it when i talk about it to anyone they're like what the hell is that i've never heard of it uh seeing you know uh, like you said elijah wood young and this totally different like real person uh role mm -hmm. was, was, is really cool and, and kevin costner seeing him uh you know in a somewhat younger form as well um <clears throat> but it's a i'm always a big fan of like coming of age stories that kind of really uh get down to like the nitty-gritty parts of like real life and they anything that actually m forces you to to feel emotions when you're watching it mm -hmm. uh, 
roller coaster ride of humor and tragedy and action. Um, so I, I really thought that it's, I think it's one that everyone should watch at some point in time. And I figured you had never heard of it. So that's why I had wanted to share it. Yeah, I am definitely, I was on that list of, of you, the people you were saying that had just bring it up and never heard of it. Um, I would say like, you know, 1994, I would have been, oh my gosh, I have to math here for a second. I would have been like eight years old. So I was privy to films coming out around that time. Like I remember movies that were out that time. And even then, like, I don't remember hearing anything about this. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a little gem. It is, um, it is a good movie. I really liked it. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you shared it. Um, in terms of the, uh, the emotions that you were talking about, the range of like the highs and lows of this film. Um, there are definitely quite a lot of them. Um, the film is also very much, it, the film loves its metaphors and I think it does a great job with its metaphors and its understanding um, of, of, of life and what you're kind of supposed to take out of it. Um, my only criticism is that there's like a little bit too many but I, that's not really a problem to have that just some of them were a little too like which one should i focus on you know what i'm saying but um but yeah overall i i really liked it as well and uh yeah it's a fun heartfelt movie it's would you say and like would you say it's more of a family movie or a kid movie um <clears throat> i i wouldn't call it a kid movie at all um I mean, yes, there's definitely some like, you know, undertones of, of uh, kid learning moments, but, you know, about, you know, anti-bullying and kind of how to, you know, growing up and um, how to navigate life through those very common, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very common situations that people deal with. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. So I, I think we actually, we got this movie um, when I was growing up back when McDonald's used to give out, uh, give out movies that were like brand, you know, brand new, but they weren't like big box office hits. Mm -hmm. and that's how we got this was like at a McDonald's, they okay. like, like a VHS. <laughs> um, so it, it, that's why it's interesting. Cause I, I, I wouldn't call it a kid's movie because of some of like the, the real nitty gritty things that happen in it. See some pretty, you know, graphic, you know, detail but maybe just for me I, I i watch it and like i just like relate to some of it uh you know on a, a more high emotional level um then maybe some kids would just see it and and not think the same i don't know but you you saw it then would you like you were younger when you saw it so it i for i got kind of the sense that you kind of grew up with this film yes okay so like my brother tom and i will make jokes all the time about like the lip nickies or <laughs> scene where the old woman is like looking through her porch and telling Kevin Costner not to try and see through her dress and look at her nipples. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, yep. Yes. Um, well, that's cool. And I think too, like the, the kids, the kids movie, cause it's like, it's not a kid's movie, but it's a movie that kids could watch. It's not like it's, um, you know, it's, we're not talking about like the exorcist or something here, but um, it, it's funny because I, I asked because like, like the eighties and the nineties had movies that were made for kids that if you watch now, you'd be like, what the fuck? Why would I ever let my kid watch this? Like, um, a prime example is, have you ever seen the never ending story? Absolutely. Dude, that wolf, man, that wolf is fucking terrifying. That wolf is like the scariest fucking thing ever to be put in cinema. 
and they're like, oh, what should we do with this? Oh, we'll put it in a kid's film <laughs> and and targeted it. Like, I was like, I had to have been like six, seven, eight years old when I saw that movie. And like, I'm still uncomfortable every time I see that wolf. I, you know, I don't remember the last time I saw the film, but like, if I were to watch it now, dude, I'd get goosebumps just from that wolf. Right. But why is Fantasia dying then? Because people have begun to lose their hopes and forget their dreams so the nothing grows stronger. What is the nothing? It's the emptiness that's left. It is like a despair destroying this world. And I have been trying to help it. But why? Because people who have no hopes are easy to control. And whoever has the control has the power. And so I feel like it's like this movie, I feel like is kind of a children's movie. It just has adults themes. But I also, because I was talking to my girlfriend, Nat, about it. And we were kind of talking about that. Like kids movies back then were a little bit different they were a little bit more adult and i think that i think that the director of this film could understand i think that that kids could handle it it's not again it's not like it's not going to make your brain explode from some like graphic detail but it's more again the context so that if there was uh intrigue to explore the meanings further one is definitely capable of doing that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely agree with that i think that yeah the early uh late 80s early 90s films definitely had more uh intense content to them that otherwise now we wouldn't have be and i think that maybe it just a difference in like the sign of the times too because kids learn shit today way earlier because we've got you know the internet and they're able to look anything up on youtube and you know like i mean they things that we at that same age would never have thought like known anything about but at the same time they're a little more sheltered from like you know certain mass media images by their parents because they know that stuff's out there so quickly and so trying to like we try and like preserve their innocence as as long as we can where in the 90s they're like well it's gonna fucking happen yeah let's just get it done with yeah well, I guess then let's go ahead uh, and and dive into uh, what is this movie and what is its story and, and what is it about? Um, oh, I would say like my my one sentence brief would be it's a it's a poor family living in Mississippi that are dealing with the consequences the consequences of prejudice and PTSD. That's a pretty good synopsis, yeah. And the film definitely goes into that right away. Um so the 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 dad the, I guess let's a good place to start as always with any stories at the beginning. So um the beginning of the film we realize that the dad, Kevin Costner, uh his character's name is uh the dad is st- Oh my gosh, see, I knew I was going to mess this up. The dad is Steven, and the son is Stu. I, I, when I was watching the movie, because they both have names that start with S, I was like, I'm going to mess this up when I have to talk about it. Um, so the dad, Kevin Gosner, Steven Simmons, comes home from Vietnam, 
and the house that he was living in with his family is being torn down. Uh, yes. And that's like the very start of the film, because um, Elijah Wood, Stu, his sister tells him, you know, hey, dad's home, and uh, we got to go see him. And kind of almost right away, like the way that he's lit, the way that he's composed, it's very like something's not right. He's a little distant because even the camera's got like very wide angles. So he's kind of this person that's kind of like far away from us. Um, most of the story is about Elijah Wood, Stu, and his sister and their friends are trying to build a tree house over the summer vacation. That is kind of the root of the story, at least for this character. Correct. Yep. And then as they go along, um, they meet, you meet a, a, quite a plethora of characters uh, and situations along the way. And like I said, there was, there was a lot of like themes and, and metaphors that get kind of plugged into the story. There's the PTSD element of the dad having issues with his own mental health, you know, coming home, um, he's having difficulty sleeping, which then translates into like difficulty working, even being at work. Um, uh, he's not really capable of holding down a job, which then kind of goes more into this theme of like a poverty struck area that they are living in. Um, yeah, I mean, the movie is full of, like, baggage, so unpacking it is is uh, is somewhat difficult when you really have to, like, try and choose you know, where you want to go, what, you know, what has gone on, because there's there's multiple storylines that kind of go on within it, and that's what I think is really cool about the film, too, mm-hmm. is that they, they don't follow, like, just, you know, uh, Kevin Costner's character's story of, like, not being able to hold a job and, the, you know, him being in the war, even though that's, like, what the, you know, the title, you know, is in the movie. <clears throat> it goes on you know further and splits off from the storyline to follow Elijah Woods character and uh and kind of how he deals with the bullies that are you know the and the lipnickies and then um so there, there's a, a a lot of different i guess paths we could take here to talk about it um and kind of piece by piece break it down and what is so cool about it I hope you know them the kids that just beat me up. I know who they are. Well, then why did you just give them Mom and Lydia's cotton candy? Because it looked like they hadn't been given nothing in a long time. I would say for me, um, the one the one thing that stands out for me too is so okay. So I guess then to put it in a little bit more context, yeah, the film what it takes place in like I want to say the early to mid seventies would be my guess, right? Maybe late sixties. I don't know if they ever give an official date. I can't remember, but either way, Vietnam era living and I'll, the the one thing that I really liked about the movie is that. Everybody, everybody in the movie has a problem, as you know, everybody in life does. But a lot of the problems they take out on each other out of like anger, resentment, and possibly even hate. Instead of hating each other for these problems, what could kind of life be like if we didn't? And what could life be if we perhaps in these situations actually kind of learn to work together, which is what I think Kevin Costner was trying to teach 
his son Stu is that like people have their problems so don't get angry when they take their problems out on you that you have problems and we need to work together and for that I really like that um that was probably like my main takeaway of this film at least what stood out the most to me and what I really liked um there's the scene you're talking about so there's the limp nickies which are um what are they? They own like a junkyard, right? Like a like a trash yard, garbage site where people just I don't know. Is it? It's it just yeah. So I think they're like a salvage yard type situation. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, a family where and the similarity is as well that you kind of understand as the story goes on is that it's also like a, a single father raising his children, although he many children in comparison to Kevin Costner's character. And so he, he kind of, is just like try, just trying to make ends meet. Uh, but he's also in, they make it appear that he's, you know, kind of a drunk and mess and doesn't really care about his kids. So they just kind of run wild all willy nilly around town. And they're, they seem almost like, you know, orphanage uh, kids that anything, see them um just because they're all they're all dirty and uh you know they've they it's all messed up and they don't they, they seem very unkempt get up you almost got me here this poor enough stupid idiot you never even had to get out of the house big airplane just dropped them out of the car you don't know how to stop Billy. we're gonna scrub you down with lipstick so everyone thinks you got diaper rash how about it Nuh-uh. Yes, huh? And after that, we're going to shave your head bald as a witch's tip. I ain't going to look like no witch's tip. Yes, you will if you don't hurry up and tell us. Well, you can cut off every hair in my head, but I ain't telling you ding it like ding it like ding dang dong. Yeah, and not like, you can tell that there's not really any uh, set discipline, any regimen into, like, normal behavior in society. Um sure. And there was like, like there was the one scene where um, Kevin Costner is, I think it's, I think it's just Stephen and his son Stu. They're in the car, and one thing throughout is that the car is slowly wearing down. Uh, it's not in good shape, and obviously they need money to repair the car. But finding money, uh, you know, in this situation, the predicament that they're in is quite difficult. So they're, I want to say they're like in like the town square kind of like a you know the the main town area and the car breaks down and father lipnicki and his children are in this big truck behind them and he's honking his horn um you know telling kevin Costner, you know get it get your car out of the way you're you're blocking me come on and he's like hey i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying the car won't start so he takes his truck and like an asshole he just rams in the back of kevin Costner's car which is also you know quite dangerous there's other people around and this, you know, scene erupts of then like them both getting out of their car and you think that a fight's going to happen. And Kevin Gosser just kind of dissolves the situation by just, you know, effectively apologizing and saying, you know, like now there's room to get around me, yada, yada, yada. And, and Elijah Wood Stu is saying, you know, like dad, like, you know, you're, you're like a military vet. Why didn't you fight them? You know, you could have fought him. You could have won. He is a drunk. And he was like, well, exactly. Like he has his own problems as well. So like fighting in this situation isn't going to do anything. Um, and again, it's about that, like, you know, I have problems in my life, but so does everyone. And I think that it's, it's, it's good to remember that going forward. At least you don't smell like a drunk. 
fucking skunk! What'd you say to me? I'll break your neck, you little shithead! Great, I can't allow you to put your hands on my son. You don't see me correcting your children. I don't mind so much. You plowing into my car and I don't take offense at you calling me names, but you go after my child, he's gonna push a button on me and then I'm gonna lose control and kill you. And I'll apologize to my son. I apologize. It's mighty kind to you. My son has something to tell you. Apologize to Mr. Lip, Nicky Stu. Tell him you're sorry for insulting him. Sorry, Mr. Lip, Nicky. <clears throat> we talked about that. That that is one of like the first I, I think moments in the film where they kind of bring up that concept and that philosophy. Even though he's uh, you know a, a war veteran and has definitely probably done some things uh in his time in the military that he regrets and done you know that's clearly killed people uh being that way you know being in the military didn't make him an angry person if anything it he has the ability to to be violent if necessary but also has learned from that that like to that it's, it's not the answer to everything and so th that's you know one of the first times you see it, and then you see that theme uh, and that concept basically play out multiple times uh, throughout the rest of the film. And I think a lot of why they titled it "The War" um, is kind of how it's uh, changed, and also that you know that you're going through a war in multiple areas of your life. Um, I think could be surmised uh, from from the rest of the film. Yeah, and it's like it's uh it's um it's there's always like the the line in the sentence like like violence begets violence and cuz later on in the movie um spoiler alert I mean it's kind of I think at this point we've <laughs> yeah we're there. Uh we're going to go into spoiler detail if anyone's listening, but um later on in the film Kevin Costner his character uh dies. And, um, Stu is angry. Stu is super angry. Um, at this point in the film too, like they have, um, they have effectively built their treehouse, and these Lipnicky boys, eh, the, I should say the kids, cause there's girls in there as well, um, have taken it from them, um, just by kind of being stronger bullies, like you said. And so they go to take it back and they load up with like, Molotov cocktails and like fireworks. Well, I think the Molotov cocktails actually come in later. I take that back. They just take fireworks, right? Like at, at first. And they go to take the treehouse back. And they effectively do. They get it. But then the Lipnickies come back. And then that's when like the Molotov's cocktails come out, which I was like, holy shit. Again, for like a kid's movie, I was like, dude, they're straight up murdering each other. Right. Um, and, and there are then some really cool parallels uh, that they use to indicate that, again, this is a war. Um, it's obviously not a national war. It is a war amongst children. But again, that anger and that fighting and that violence stays. Because if it wasn't resolved that day, it would have just come up another day. You know what I mean? Like, it, if, if they had just kept fighting, it eventually would escalate to a point of, like, probably something even worse happening than what even happens in the film. Um, 
And so again, it's that idea of like, I think like you just said too, like why it's called the war is because it's about that, that struggle of like picking violence versus not picking violence, which is pretty cool uh, in a film. Um, and that's just like, that's like you just said to unpack all of this, that's, that's only like two things right there. We got like 12 more, 12 more to go. Um, but yeah, this is, is a good movie. I, um, I enjoyed it and I'm glad I watched it. Um, the, the two, the two young girls that are friends with Stu's sister, Stu's sister, uh, her name is Lois. They are two young African-American girls living in, again, a poor part of Mississippi uh, in the early 70s. And so to say that racism plays a part in their character story is also kind of just like the tip of the iceberg. Because um, they deal with prejudice along the way uh, as well. And like they're in a classroom and the teacher is, without saying it, she's putting all like the black kids in the back of the school room while bringing all the white kids to the front of the room. Um, and I guess that's kind of like what I was saying earlier was like, there was like my only criticism of the film is that again, there was a lot of these like morals and these themes to take away. It just, there was a lot of them. And in a film that's, I think it was like less than two hours. It's a lot to introduce, but I can also understand like the director's point of view of doing it, which was kind of the idea of like, well, that's life. Like, there are a lot of these issues in life. So I think with that, I understand it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now here you come along, shoving me in the back of the room where eyes can't even see good, which means I'm probably not going to graduate this summer neither. Just because you read how some white man say life be like a bowl full of chairs, I got to come up with some thick his saying, well, fine. I just write down how happy I'm gonna be to get 20 more dollars on my birthday. Never mind what he got planned for me this year. And I'ma write how maybe the new man my mama said might stop drinking and treat me nice. And maybe he gonna dot me and take us off the welfare. And at the end, I'm gonna be sure and put life show is a bowl full of cherries. But to tell you the truth, Miss Strap, I think you and that book and his whole class be a bowl full of shit. Go to the principal's office. Now. Didn't you hear a damn word she said? Excuse me. She told you the best truth she knows. And you don't got no right to put her out or call her a liar, neither. My mama says folks that treat people bad only do it because they're ignorant. So I'm gonna help you. She's gonna sit up front where she can see from now on. And she ain't gonna go by color girl no more, neither. You're gonna learn her name. I don't know about you, but all my friends have names. And this just so happens to be my best friend. Her name is Elvadine. With that too, Kevin Costner after a... So he gets... I think he gets a job at... Oh, I think it was the school. I think he, he, got, he got a janitorial job at the school. Um, and 
he got fired because he had been admitted to a mental hospital. And he was talking about that there was a law that anyone ever that had to check into a mental hospital uh, couldn't be within, uh, like, they couldn't be around children and they couldn't be employed at a school system or at least like a government, you know, funded job. Um, again, kind of going back into that uh, issue of, 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 of coming back as a Vietnam soldier uh, with war and PTSD. And there was, because um, it was his wife too, that was like, well, that's really messed up because, you know, you're, because they didn't know what PTSD back, was back then. So she says something to the effect of like, you know, you're, you checked into the mental hospital because of the war that our government put you in. And now the government is telling you you can't work at a job because of effectively what they did to you. Right. So from there he goes and gets uh, he gets a job at the mine. Uh, he gets help. Um, he helps getting the he helps he gets help getting the job. Um, I can't remember that character's name, um, but it, that also plays into again the like southern racism because it's a black guy and he's talking about how he too is having a lot of difficulty finding work, but his. His problems are even a little bit bigger than Kevin Costner's again in terms of racism because he's just not going to get a job solely on the color of his skin. And again, plays into that theme of like, as soon as sometimes people hit certain check boxes, like check marks in their life, they're deemed, you know, not acceptable in society. And that again, everybody has problems. So instead of being angry at each other for it, we need to learn to work together. Um, but it's at the mine, the mining job is where then Kevin Costner dies. And that is where then the film, I think, turns more into like the title of the war. Yeah. I'm glad that I, that I could share it with someone else and, you know, I guess enlighten them to a, a movie that they, uh, otherwise probably would never have seen. It's, you know, it's one of those ones that just kind of gets left on a dusty old shelf somewhere, um. So I'm I'm glad it can't be just lost to time. <laughs> it's a you know it, it is a a really good movie with a lot of parallels that you can can look at uh you know to to modern day as well and you know like like we brought up a couple times the PTSD which is interesting this is you know <clears throat> even though the film was only in the 90s it, it just it brings up a lot of that and kind of how PTSD is affected different people's lives and all the different facets and ways it can and how you can let it drag you down. Um, you know, or you can also use some of it, you know, it, some of the things that Kevin Costner's character says that he's, he's making it a life changing experience, even though it was a, a bad experience for him being in the war. He uses, uh, some of what he has, uh, learned from his experiences there, uh, to help try and, form Elijah Wood's character into being a better, a better person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And again, it's like taking, taking an extreme situation to then better your life. Cause I think then Elijah Wood on top of that as well, does that later on his dad dies. And now he's seeing his, you know, himself and his friends fighting, you know, with these like the lip Nickies and it's kind of, again, the same thing. It's like history is going to kind of repeat itself. And um, out of an extreme circumstance, he was capable of um, of effectively getting himself out of that situation through Kevin Costner kind of teaching him before he, you know, before he dies. That's like, I would say, like three quarters of the way through the movie, I want to say, give or take. Yeah, because I think like the last quarter of the film is them 
than effectively having to just deal with these lip nickies. Um, there's also that scene where they, uh, they, they dare each other to, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a water reservoir and it's one of those towers that I have no idea what purpose it serves, but it's there. And inside they have like the whirlwind of water. <laughs> what those are is that like collects water from like the wells, right? And okay. It, and fills it up in that reservoir so then it creates the water pressure for like the rest of you know wherever it services oh. so when like around inside that's it filling up like the pipes and stuff and and other um smaller little like you know water reserves under people's houses but actually it creates that pressure in the pipe so that people have you know pressurized running water in their homes that's cool i see i yeah i had no i had no idea that's awesome um but effectively it's like a what do you call it? Like a, a cyclone of water. Um, and that's actually how the lip Nickies, uh, they, well, they, they, that's like their thing is like they, they challenge each other for superiority, which is, you know, kind of funny in itself. It's just like how this dictates you owning a, you know, a, a tree fort is kind of funny and silly, but I think that's again, kind of the point. And, um, yeah, those those scenes were really good. Um, there was uh, Elijah Wood and one of the Lipnickies had to effectively swim to the other wall of this hardcore cyclone that has like a huge current on the inside of it uh, and touch the wall and come back. And um, those scenes I thought were really good. They, that that was done very well. And um, but then there was another theme too that was introduced is that one of the Lipnicky boys falls in it by accident. Um, He's up on the the roof of this. Is it? A, I guess is it a reservoir? Is that what you call it? I don't even know. Yeah, I think I think it's a, it's just a water tower. It shows my my physical manual labor lifestyle that I've lived, um, and the knowledge inside of that. So he falls through the roof. It's kind of like an old rickety old rickety wood, and he falls into it. And then Elijah Wood jumps in and goes and saves him. And that's again kind of this peace offering that again you can use actions for good. Um, and he goes and saves the little boy and he gets him out. Um, and then he, he does CPR on him and he comes back to life and he was like, yeah, I was at the, the gates of heaven and I saw somebody that looks like you, Stu, but a little bit older. Cause at this point, Kevin Gosser's character has passed away and he's like, and he told me to go back and tell you that everything's all right. And that's like a heart, just such a heart wrenching moment when you like see that. Yeah, it was it was sweet and it was kind of then this way of kind of like saying the film is again kind of trying to tell you like see like out of peace we were able to get here. And that yeah, that scene uh is is one that definitely like sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and the the other the other thing to to bring up I guess about it too is is like remembering that so the kid that that fell in, he's the like the youngest of the Lipnicky kids. Mm-hmm. He gets like picked on and bullied on by his older brothers uh, quite a bit, um, you know, because he's because he's the baby in the family. Like the dad, like uh, cares more about him than the other kids. Mm-hmm. So they take that frustration out on him. And there's there's a scene where they end up like they've they buzz cut a big stripe down the middle of his head. Yeah, and just he just looks like super like worn down because of what the brothers do but then the brothers are also getting beat on by the dad too so there's like 
that aspect of it. Um, but he's also like the sweetest of the kids too. He's the one who's, who doesn't want to like be a bully because he's getting bullied. And so that's, a, you know, he and uh, Elijah Wood's character end up, you know, becoming friends from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like it's like, because like you were saying, they've kind of, they've kind of shunned him. You know, he's, he's, he's not like them. He's, he's kind of his own, in his own little world and he's left alone. And so it's kind of almost like because of that result, it's what's made him nicer than the rest of the boys, which then allows him and Elijah Wood to build a connection um, into their friendship, which is cool. And um, yeah, the stripe, I don't even think it's a stripe. I think it's just like a patch. Like they just shave like, like a random third on top of his head, just completely gone. And yeah, he takes off his beanie. It was like, Oh my God, dude, God damn. They shaved that kid's head for real. Yeah. Just the the way that they that they end up making that like the battle scene for the the fort uh, seem the way they film it and make it look so much like similar to the the scenes of Kevin Costner's actual like real life war uh, is is super cool like, cinematically speaking the way they they made that look you know the same. Uh, was really interesting just to think about like think about the aspect of which these uh, uh, the way the children view the world versus adults view the world right that was really cool for them to kind of tap into that and be like to these kids this is their war this is their battle you know battle of the bulge or whatever this is like their you know that's the way it's viewed to them so it gives you kind of a glimpse into that which is pretty cool um no and i agree and i think that it's it's um it's another that's another kind of aspect of the film as well is um Kevin Costner's character Stu oh my god I <laughs> see I told Jessica screwed up Steven um yeah they do show some some flashbacks of his time in Vietnam and again how uh one one of the like theme and thing that he's trying to carry out is that he's trying to impress on his son is you know a, a moment a moment is all it takes to make a decision um, and that was something that I really liked where he was talking about before, you know, you do anything in life, especially something like pick a fight, you know, to stop, stop and think about it. And, um, you actually find out that he has a pretty, pretty sad backstory of his time in Vietnam. He had his friend, I can't remember his friend's name. Um, but they, they were buddies together. They, they, they went to training together and now they were serving together in, in, in the Vietnam war. Um, and they're in a, they're like in a trench and effectively gets attacked by the Vietnamese. Uh, and Kevin Costner has to effectively drag his friend from this trench, this battle zone to an emergency escape helicopter. And as he gets there, um, they tell Kevin Costner, so his friend is still alive. And they, they tell Kevin Costner, like, hey, there's not enough room on this helicopter. It's it's either you or him or neither. And Kevin Costner's like, no, come on, you can take both of us. And he points a gun at the at the at the, the guy in the helicopter, and um a little kind of verbal fight breaks out, and then the Vietnamese soldiers are are closing in on them, so he has to make this decision. Um, so he effectively leaves his friend, who is still alive. Uh, and he hops on the helicopter so he can fly home safely to his family. But you have to imagine that this guy has a family as well. And he was then denied ever seeing them again because of this choice. Now, that's a very difficult choice to make. I don't know what 
I would do in that situation. I don't think anybody would know what they'd do in that situation unless you were actually there. But that's not the point of the film. It's again about like that decision was made and now it's going to stay with him for the rest of his life. And that's why he's having, again, difficulty sleeping, difficulties holding down a job, difficulties in everything in life. And, um, and so it's, it's a good film for that, that again, yeah, like one, one choice, man, can, it can change everything, everything in your world to the end of time. So choose wisely. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, um, it's also, I was talking to my, my girlfriend too, after we watched it about how, um, it has that nineties film look like Forrest Gump had it and what's eating Gilbert Grape has it where it's got this very, it just, it has that nineties look to it. And obviously not just cause it was shot in the nineties, just like the film stock and the color graded and how all of it is kind of like presented. Yeah. There's definitely something to say about like, like the nineties filming, like the, the tones, like the color tones that you can tell like, okay, this is totally a nineties movie. And even just like that style of storytelling seems, I don't know. It seems kind of gone now. It's, 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 it's got serious tones, but it's also kind of whimsical in its storytelling. Yeah. And they, and how they like, they speckle in, uh, humorous moments without being, uh, too, um, and they're not telling a joke, but they're, but you're like, I can, you know, I relate to this scenario for whatever reason, or I find this, this situation funny, uh, in a, in a way that's not so like slapsticky. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not telling jokes. It's just doing, there are funny comedic moments that just work naturally on their own. Right. And then they're amongst all of the like serious, intense moments. They'll kind of like break that tension within the film after crazy intense you know, and that's why why I said how much of a like roller coaster it is because one second you're like on the verge of tears watching, you know, Kevin Costner's character be dead and like the emotional like heartfelt you know uh, acting of Elijah Wood, which is phenomenal acting for a child for a, um, you know, which some people would say that he like kind of stole the the um a lot of the scenes and stole the star role from Kevin Costner in this movie, uh, kind of because that, which is fun, funny that, you know, you like, you keep saying Stu instead of Steven. And that's as his, you know, Elijah Wood's character, like took a lot more of the, uh, the stardom of the film. I think, um, you'll, you'll get moments there where, you know, you're on the verge of tears seeing what he's going through. And then they'll like split to a new scene. That's, you know, just a, a wacky situation that makes you kind of laugh and giggle. But so like you, you said you grew up, you grew up watching this with your family. So you've got like a, like a definitely family tie to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with, with, with my brothers and my dad, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I, um, it's again, with similarities of the, of the, always, like I said, the great, I call it the great experiment of, again, comparing two, like in this case, movies that would normally, in my opinion, never get compared. Um, I have the exact same thing with What's Eating Gilbert Great. That was a film that my dad and my sister and I used to watch uh, growing up. And same thing, you could say probably any one of those lines to them and they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's something like that's cool. It's the, the good old, good old nostalgia. You can never go wrong with that. Uh, the director, John Abbott, he was a producer on um, Fried Green Tomatoes. And you can definitely, 
those two films have you know a lot a lot in common a lot of similarities you can kind of see see his uh his direction of the type of films that he wants to work on uh from that as well but um yeah that's another thing too i always i guess like um i always like to ask people like it's like if you like movie x y and z you'll like you'll like the warrior like what are like three other comparable films i would say like fried green tomatoes for sure uh forrest gump yeah if you if you like forrest gump the war is on that same feeling and in my in my opinion it definitely is kind of like goes hand in hand because it's the same it's i think it's very similar time frame um of that they're actually telling the story and then it's just got that like that like gritty mississippi feel to it as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can't go wrong with the south right (laughs) it's just two northern boys um (laughs) um well, yeah, um, I I would say that it's uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a good film. Uh, it is worth checking out. Um, I think uh, I think that uh, I think that does it then for this episode. Like I said, unless there's anything else you want to bring up. Um, no, not that I can think of. All right, man. Well, um, again, the film is The War, 1994, directed by John Avnet, and uh, I have been joined by my good friend Mark Sinito today. Mark, you, thank you again for, for hopping, hopping on the mics today and chatting. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we will be back uh, next week to talk about What's Eating Gilbert Grape, the greatest, saddest movie you'll ever see in your entire life. So. Right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Well, you can cut off every hair in my head, but I ain't killing you, ding it like ding it like ding dang dong ding it like ding it like ding dang dong ding it like ding it like ding dang dong ding it like ding it like ding dang dong 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 ding it like ding it ding dang dong Don't, 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 don't,